Hello listeners and welcome to another State of the Union, your weekly breakdown of all things Scottish independence. I am your guide, Stephen Payton. The date is Friday the 30th of April 2021. There is less than a week until the election. Let's get into it. Kicking things off this week, guess who's back to make a special guest intervention on Scottish independence? No, it's not Gordon Brown, but you were close. Tony Blair has made a brief reappearance from his cell at The Hague. Wait, sorry, no, that didn't actually happen. Uh, Well, either way, uh, Blair dropped by to tell us that even if Scots democratically vote for a pro-independence majority next week, they probably don't actually want a second referendum. Despite a substantial number of polls also showing that a majority of Scots back another referendum. Thanks, Tony. The crux of Blair's interview with ITV News, though, was his claim that it was wrong to think devolution would have been the end of calls for independence, when really, more had to be done to build cultural ties between England and Scotland, and show that we have more in common. Which, in my eyes, really misses the point. We have plenty in common with workers around the world, yet I don't see Tony clambering to bring them under the British flag, Actually, maybe that's a poor example. Anyway, there are a range of reasons and motivations for backing independence, many that I agree with and a few that I wouldn't touch with a xenophobic barge pole. But I think there's a broad sense of understanding that this movement isn't motivated because we don't have cultural ties with England, because we do. It's driven by bigger issues, like the democratic deficit, the way that Scotland is treated as it is by the British political class, the simple fact that small, independent nations can work better. The country that could be built were the levers closer to our hands. It's not like our cultural ties with England are going to disappear the second we become independent. This is as weak an argument as we saw when pro-union figures in 2014 claimed that independence would turn our English friends and families into foreigners. First, it wouldn't. And second, what's wrong with foreigners? That statement says a lot more about whoever has been making it than it does us, don't you think? Concluding his interview, Blair also warned that the SNP could call a second referendum with just 45 minutes notice while staring wistfully out at the North Sea. Speaking of actual reasons for backing independence though, Trident may need to head overseas in the event of Scottish independence, according to a report from a former Rear Admiral. Apparently, there are just no other appropriate sites in the UK for the nuclear weapon stockpile, other than the one relatively close to Scotland's largest city. Funnily enough, the UK government only have themselves to blame here. Earlier work into finding an alternative spot for Trident was blocked by politicians who felt that to do so would be an admission of defeat. It's interesting that the site's unpopularity alone was not enough to prompt questions about moving it. According to the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, if an independent Scotland insisted that Trident must be removed, then this would probably result in there being no nuclear weapons in Britain. Which is great, and would accidentally make Britain a leader in the move toward nuclear disarmament. You're welcome. EU leaders this week also faced some of the strongest calls to affirm that an independent Scotland would be welcomed back into the European Union if we chose to do so. Over 170 prominent European writers, artists and cultural figures pressured European leaders this week through a letter that called on them to make an explicit statement that Scotland could rejoin in the run-up to a second independence referendum. The letter states, We are Europeans from across the continent and around the world. Naturally, we disagree about many things, but we all agree on this. We want the people of Scotland to know that Europeans everywhere would welcome them back in the European Union if this is still their democratic wish. 
The letter goes on to conclude that the usual process is for the EU to respond to a membership request only when it comes from an independent country. Scotland deserves a different process. While it is legally part of the UK, the Scottish government cannot negotiate with the EU. But the EU can declare that, because Scotland has already long been a part of the EU, should it become legally and democratically independent, it need not apply as a new accession candidate. Instead, the EU and its member states should make a unilateral and open offer of membership, an exceptional proposal to match Scotland's exceptional circumstances. Thanks, pals. For all the bluster from some in the no camp, I don't think anyone really believes that should an independent Scotland choose to rejoin the EU, that there would be any significant barriers in doing so. At the very least, whatever relationship we have with the continent will be better than the series of burning bridges that Boris Johnson is bouncing around on. And finally, this week, did you know that Scotland is wealthy enough to be independent? Probably you do, actually. But analysis from an associate director at the Institute for Fiscal Studies backs it up, noting that Scotland is a, quote, relatively rich country. David Phillips did note that an independent Scotland would also be starting out with a relatively large deficit, but, as always, it's important to remember that that deficit exists under our current situation in lockstep with Westminster. Out with the UK, our options increased dramatically on how we'd actually structure the Scottish economy. If anything, the deficit argument should really be turned on its head. How can it be that as part of the UK, a supposedly beneficial and broad-shouldered entity, that things could have reached such a dire fiscal reality? It's hardly a ringing endorsement for the union, is it? A second report this week from the Institute for Government seemed to back this up, stating that, in principle, both Scotland and Wales could function as independent countries, and that a reunited Ireland could in principle be a vibrant, successful, small, open economy. More and more, it seems that the current setup of the UK is more of a hindrance than a benefit to its nations. But that does bring us to an end this week. With all that said, where does that leave the state of the Union? As Boris Johnson is discovering for himself, a fresh coat of paint can't hide the systemic issues below. See you all again next Friday. <laughs> <laughs>